Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast, hosted by Joey Morgan. Today, I'm here with Zach Rosenfeld. Hello. And Jacob Licklider. Hello. Jacob has a channel that I will leave linked in the description. Today, we are talking about the Fourth Doctor Adventures Series One. These, uh, this being the six stories: Destination Nerva, The Renaissance Man, Wrath of the Iceni, Energy of the Daleks, Trail of the White Worm, and The Osiden Adventure. Um, spoilers, as always. Uh, since this is the last episode of the year, I'm not going to be putting up a list of episodes that we're doing next year. Uh, because I do already have like a set group of people that I have on the Celestial Podcast uh, from this point on. If you do still want to be on future episodes, you can still message me, but I can't guarantee a spot as I do basically have all this, most of the spots filled for next year's episodes. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if there was still anyone out there that wanted to be on the podcast, but figure I'd get that out there. All right, so today we are talking about fourth doctor adventures uh let's open it right up with destination nerva by the one and only nick briggs i really don't like this one yeah no it's um what are, how do i do this this doesn't really have a strong plot at all yeah it, it can, completely it, for, falls for, apart. I barely, for, I, I try. I only listened to it a few days ago, and I'm still trying to piece together what, what the fuck I just listened to. It's, it, it just keeps. Yeah, like, like for me, like I, I think it displays the the immediate problems with the 40As right in its very first episode. It, it like right away, it's just like too many ideas, but still not enough to leave an impact on the audience. It's just kind of like here, okay, now there's what's happening. Now they're going to destination. Oh, cool! This is it cool that we're here? And now there's a plot, and here's the character they are going to remember. And okay, it's a cliffhanger. Now we're going to depart two, and you're never going to remember any of this. Art. It's too short. Now you got to close the episode. Woo! Woo! What's this modern day thing, Doctor? <laughs> Yes, Leela. This oh, yeah, is Le- very Leela. modern. Leela's characterization of this is shit, isn't it? I fucking yeah. hate it. Oh, man. <sighs> and what's even weirder is just, like, Nerva's the setting for no reason, except yeah. Nick Briggs likes the yeah, Ark in space. Just, like, because, oh, just because nostalgia. Just because, hey, member the Ark in space? Member? Member Revenge of the Cybermen? Member? You member this? It's Saturday tea time again. Yeah. And, and like Nick, Nick Briggs is like, argh. I hate like being mean to Nick Briggs because he's done so much for the Doctor Who community. But fuck, this story is bad. Like it's just, <laughs> it 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 does it just does everything in Nick Briggs wants it to do, and that hurts the story as a whole. It's like okay, well here's where it takes place in the timelines immediately after Talons. Leo's gonna let us know that in the very first fucking line. Are the and... Doctor and Mister J are Professor Lightfoot and Mister Jago gonna be okay, Doctor? Yeah, it's just fucking annoying. Um, oh, man. Mind you, this was after... This was... I think probably was even recorded after they had released Mahogany Murderers, and I'd already started planning Jago and Lightfoot. That's yeah. true. That's true. But even uh, then, like, why? Like, this is a completely separate series. Why even bring it up? Because reason, Because cross-promotion, I guess, and, and I think... Uh, was the was the Jago and Lightfoot fourth Doctor story next season? I don't remember. It was. Uh, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. Romana. Yep. Yes, Romana one. Anyway, anyway. Um. What about the but, uh, what about the okay, What about character? What about the sporting characters? Do you remember any of them in Destination Nerva? Heh. 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 Uh, I, I remember there's a Victorian person who's the villain. Oh. Oh yes. Yep. Um. But I only remember him because he's kind of annoying. Oh, hey, isn't Tim Trellor in this? Is he? I think he is. Here, I look it up. Um, if I think I, I think I remember thinking that the first time I listened to it because I was listening to it like you know after I listened to a couple of Third Doctor adventures and I was like, oh, Tim Trellor's in this. Oh yeah, he is. Was yep. this the? Wait a minute. Was no, no, no. I don't think so. I mean, I was gonna say, was this the big finish story that got him that got him the role of the Third Doctor? Oh because Jesus! I know, Jesus because Christ I know, because no. I know it was one of, I know it was one of them. I know that one of his voices in one of the stories he did, he made made an impression on, so made an impression on them. They thought, wow, this is really good. How would you like to play the third Doctor? And the rest is history. But I don't, I don't know if it was this one. Hmm, interesting. 
Um, yeah, I don't remember who Lord Jack is, but he's played by Tim Trill or whoever Lord Jack is. Well, he's the villain. <laughs> oh, is is that is that the villain? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, he is. It is Tim Trill. It's Jack so... Cargan. Oh. Um, I also I do like the end though. Um, of this one when they use the the fourth Doctor Big Finish theme. Uh, like sort of. Oh yes, that playing that is it out. Yeah, um, yeah, what's it called? Begin the begin the big adventure. Actually, I, yes. I, I actually really, yes. I actually really like that theme a lot. It's quite nice. And it does. I think the theme like does kind of perfectly capture the spirit of adventure that is the Fourth Doctor era. And it um, captures eccentricness as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a really strong theme, and uh, and naturally it was, I think it was used to the best of its ability at the end of such a just bland story and it just uh, became, and it just became the fourth doctor's leitmotif throughout all the big finish stories yeah yeah and, it, which and is, it works it works yeah yeah i think so too um wow i wish there was more to say about this one any final oh, yeah. thoughts on I, destination I, I, I will i'm gonna play devil's advocate just for a bit okay because i feel like it's necessary there are ideas of a good story here are there like though? The idea, <laughs> like the standard idea of a space station being invaded by someone from the past who brings his own sort of disease mm. and starts I'm, taking I'm, over. I'm I'm wondering, like, if Briggsy had set this in a different location, if it, if it had just been a random space station, he would have had more time to tell that story of, rather than the fourth doctor, like, looking around like, hmm, I've been here before. Well, yeah, that's my point, is that it gets bogged down in continuity. Yeah. Yeah. That that, a... that is that is the big problem. Brig, with most of Briggsy well. Briggsy, yeah. pull, Briggsy pulling a Gary Russell. Yeah, yeah. He like in in certain ways he's better than Gary Russell, but at least Gary Russell like used his continuity in a meaningful way. Briggsy's just like, whoa, here's the continuity. Now let's tell a different story. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, ratings out of ten for Destination Nerva, Jacob. Four. Four, Zach. Three. I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> Damn. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Not off to a great start. Not off to. Uh, I swear I like this range by the end. <laughs> it, gets, um, it gets better. Hope. All right. Let us move on to The Renaissance Man by Justin Richards. And Ian McNeese is here. And I fucking love Ian this McNeese. One, this one, I, I really, I love his character. I love his character in this. I just love Ian McNeese and everything. Yeah. But yeah, he's great in this one. Before. Yeah. He's not playing Churchill. He's no, not. he's he's playing a, a a pretty fun villain. Honestly, he is. he's playing. He is. He's pretty much playing a scenery a scenery chewing eccentric villain, and I think it really works. Yeah, it has it has one of those reports that like they would specifically cast villains in the Fourth Doctor era, like people that could match Tom Baker, and I feel like this is definitely one of those castings in this case. Definitely. Um, also, Daisy Ashford's in this. Oh yeah, just think it's worth noting. Um. Yeah, I think it's enjoyable though. I mean, like it still does sort of fall into the into the trap of most forty A's of like just not having enough time to tell your story. Um, and I did, I did feel like that feel like they were kind of re- they were kind of recycling some ideas from the from the early ranges. It felt it felt a little um, it felt a little diet Rob Sherman if you if you if you understand my drift. Oh no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like like, I, like I, a bit like a bit of diet holy terror in there with the whole with the whole information thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, yeah, there, there are fun ideas in there, but they're not fully acted upon, and really a lot of my enjoyment of the story comes from the execution of it all. Um, you know, like in the performances and the sound design and all that. I really, but, I did, I did like how the Doctor, tri- how the Doctor tricked him in the end by making up, by making up that complete, that, that man that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I also like the way that things are just slowly revealed as like what's going on. Yeah, if, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, the the, mm-hmm. the pace the pacing surprisingly works for the most part for how short the story is, and also considering it's a Justin Richards script, I would never expect such a thing from. Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, nothing against Justin Richards, but like you know, he's he's not the best. Warren just knows well. One common theme of no. One of the common themes throughout this series is the fourth is the fourth Doctor teaching Leela about modern day society. I don't remember what the lesson was in this, but there was there was always there was always something different in in each story. Hmm. I, I think yeah, because they were going to they were like the entire place is this they were intentionally going to a museum 
Um, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, they were. And the final bit was the, the museum actually, and the final scene showed the museum had nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could see certain, throughout this series, I think you can see certain inklings of what, of how they would start to adapt the fourth Doctor adventures to make it work a bit better, and it, and you know, and it would eventually find its strengths in doing large character arcs. When you have such a short time to tell your story, you're better off on focusing on some sort of bigger picture. I'm thinking specifically to series eight here, um, and, and you can kind of see that here. You can kind of see the, the connection, but it's not enough to make the individual stories stand out. I think, um, yeah. but those but those little moments of the Doctor teaching Lila about modern society, they they do work, but. They're very here and there. They're very in and out. It, it can't quite the the series as a whole can't decide what it wants to do at this point. If it wants to focus on the individual story it's telling, the the fun little set pieces come up with for fifty minutes, or the Doctor and Leela, whatever they're doing right now. Yeah, it makes me wonder if this series just in general is written very quickly. I, I think they were just. I think they were just really excited to have Tom Baker back. Oh yeah, I, I mean, after how just like, oh shit, we have Tom Baker finally. Let's just get, here, just get writing, write whatever the fuck comes to your mind. Uh, <laughs> but what it is, but even if the, but even, well, what's honest, honestly, the best thing about the four DAs as a whole is how much Tom Baker loves doing them. Literally seeing seeing his seeing his interviews about his his interviews for Big Finish, even his interviews that's not about Big Finish, he brings this up. He, it is generally heartwarming to see how to see how much he he loves doing them now. Yeah, um, and that comes across in his performance too. Like you could always tell he's just having a fantastic time, no matter how good or bad the script is. It's it's, it's Tom Baker in his element every single time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, anything else to add on the Renaissance Man? I'm um, just it's a fun little two parter. I agree, um, but I yeah. guess. I guess moving us into ratings out of 10, then, I, I think, you know, it being fun and enjoyable for the most part is still bogged down by its by its format issues. And for that, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. It's it's average. doesn't do too much for me. But, uh, Jacob, what's your rating out of 10? Uh, probably 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, I, give, I give it around. I give it around a 6 because it's still enjoyable, but like you, like, but like you said, bogged down by where it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's move on to one that seems mostly universally loved, uh, "The Wrath of the yes. Icenai" by love John. I love, I love this one. This one, I actually, this one, I this one, I adore. It's actually the first, the first, the first story where Lee, where well, first story in the four days where we see Leela get some proper ca- get get a big proper character development, and it really make and it really makes sense why she would be drawn, why she would be drawn to the character of Boudicca ba- of Boudicca Battleaxe. Yeah, I, I I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say on this one because I I know I enjoy it I swear but at the same time I can't think of like specific things I really like about it and 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 like after I listened to it I was like okay well that was kind of cool I guess and I forget who it was maybe it was Brian it who's was like jumping, who's like jumping down my throat and they were and they were like oh no it's like the best thing in the 48 series one and I'm like okay sure whatever you say mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but like I don't know I I never got like a, a great amount of enjoyment out of it but i'm curious to hear what you hear what you guys have to say well the thing about the wrath of the icena is one it's a pure historical so john this is why i think it works so well is as a pure historical john dorney doesn't really have to do as much setup like mm, that is true, isn't? Because mm. like, the historical okay. event is boot is boot is Boudicca defeats the is Boudicca versus the Romans. Yeah, yeah. Something that most of the population of the UK would already know. Yep, we literally that was literally my that was literally a school play and we did in primary school. Yeah. But so any, any anyway, what was I gonna what was I gonna say? But what? But and because we and because we know what the set what the setup is, it it. It really allow it really allows for the setting to develop to develop the individual characters and and I don't just mean the doc I don't just mean the Doctor Leela and 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 Boudicca. we also also when we also when we meet the also when we when we meet the Scottish villagers late villagers later on who who are just terrified of the whole situation. Hmm. And I think part of it just works because it is such a strong character piece for Leela. Um, it's taking this savage warrior woman and putting her up to work off of a savage warrior woman almost mm-hmm. to reflect on almost how far she's come even in this 
Because see, that is interesting though, because timeline wise, even even by this story, Leela hasn't come very far. Um, so so it's more just getting like this immediate effect of like, oh yeah, it's just reminding me of the culture I come from more than like, oh look at how far I've come. If this were at the end of Forty Eight Series Three, then you know I could see that meaning a lot. We see towards. And when we see towards when we see towards the end that Leela realizes that this woman is bat that this woman is batshit insane and realizes no this is this is wrong I might be a, I might I might be a warrior but you are just but you were just killing innocents for the for the blood for the thrill of it yeah yeah and that, and that is where her character development in this comes from it's not so much that she sees herself in uh in her but it's more that that she sees what's wrong with her and and that and that does start to change Leela uh, but I think Leela won't get her her proper character arc to go on until series three and more on the more on what they were saying earlier more on what more on what i was saying earlier about how each story involves a doctor trying to teach leela something about modern society this one they're going to the th- they're going to the theater specifically seeing a an old coward play and leela is like why would he call himself coward no it's just a name it's just a name but why would he call himself? point you, you get the point but but later on that but later on that come that comes back and Leela realizes that a name doesn't that a name doesn't mean anything. It's what you do with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. What do we think of this? Is a good time to read up. What do we think of the Fourth Doctor as a teacher figure? Well, um, I know I kind of. I mean, I kind of like it. But then again, Tom Baker's always had one of those commanding voices that I honestly he could he could read any he could read any old bullshit and and it would come across as enlightening. Yeah, I just think it's a bit odd. Like, like they, they kind of looked at case, um... case in point being the narration in Little Britain. Okay, gotcha. Um, but uh, what was it? Or, oh yeah, uh, robots of death. I was thinking of like okay, we do have that little bit of that sort of teaching moment towards the beginning there. But I don't think the Fourth Doctor ever took Leela as someone he could teach and someone like he can make he can make learn more. It, 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 he always just kind of like sorry, as someone more fun to have around, but. So, which is why I'm a little bit taken aback well, by his characterization yeah, in the first on, series. Was, and even then, later on, he's just more endearing to the fact that Leela was his savage. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, and, I think yeah, it's interesting just... because it, it almost harkens back to Philip Hinchcliffe's original idea for the character as the sort of Eliza Doolittle in space. Hmm. Um, yeah. But you notice that as soon as Graham Williams came in as producer, that kind of just dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Damn you, Mary Whitehouse. Mary Whitehouse. Um, yeah, I think that's an interesting, interesting point, if I can speak today. Um, yeah, anything else to add on The Wrath of the Iceni? Um, This one is, is, is basically Leela and Boudicca's show. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, that's the, doc- what... the Doctor doesn't do much throughout it. Uh, but I'll say, if you haven't listened to this one, go listen to it, because it's it's probably it's the highlight of the season. Is it though? This is if this is one. I, if there's one series, if there's one story from the first from the first fourth Doctor series, I come back to. It's this one. Okay. Ah. Uh, oh wow. My rating's gonna seem like a. It's gonna seem the worst thing ever. All right, Zach. Uh, what's your rating out of ten for this one? My rating is an eight out of ten. Okay, Jacob. Yeah, I usually give like a nine out of ten. Jesus, I feel like a dick saying a six. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Uh, all right, let's move on to Energy of the Daleks by the one and only Nick Briggs. Coming soon, even more of me. <laughs> like, okay. You know what? I kind of enjoy this one. Yeah, fair. Yeah, it's not I, I think, I think bad. It's, it's not... I think- it's, it's just a bit underwhelming. It's just a little really... underwhelming, but it's it's fine. A little, a little. I think it's really fun though. I think it's just a really fun Dalek romp. Um, yeah, the Robo Man back, played by John Dorney of all people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's just fun. Um, I mean, not all the Robo Men are played by John Dorney, but you know, just hearing him in that, I'm like, oh, that's quite funny. Um, and also, Leela encountering the Daleks for the first time. I think that's fun to listen to, and. Um, and yeah, also just was... hear, just hearing Tom Baker like get a more casual Dalek stories story, but like both of his on TV are very like big Dalek events. You know, obviously gen- the Genesis and then the resurrection of, of Davros. Um, but but it's just kind of funny like hear 
the fourth doctor in a more laid back Dalek adventure, something more along yeah, the lines along the lines of the Pertwee stories. I was thinking I, I was thinking like Dalek Invasion of Earth. I mean to us on a smaller scale, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean obviously, you know, the, the inclusion of the Romovin evokes that and you know, of course the Romovin is a very Nick Briggs inclusion. Mm-hmm. But uh I I'd but, say that Nick Briggs actually does a decent job with the continuity here. He does. He does. Other than like, other than the Robo Men inclusion, you know, uh, I, I think I think it's not too bad. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, what else? I, I really do like Leela uh, interacting with the Daleks, though. I love her her reaction to it, and 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 seeing like what the Doctor faces on a more regular basis because Leela never got that on the TV. On her TV stories, it was it was always more okay. Well, let's do this. Let's have a different idea here. This isn't, which was you know very true for a lot of the Fourth Doctor's era. It, you know, it wasn't yeah. it was it wasn't very standard. Who was it? No. Um, I mean, no one really knew what they were doing at that point because Mary Whitehouse firing. But you know, that's a that's a story for another time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, just I mean, just look at seasons fifteen. I mean, they're the only returning villain in that is the Santarans, and they only appear in Lila's final story. Mm-hmm. And even then, only in like the last minute of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, the, in the last two episodes of that six-part story. Yeah. Um, so to hear, yeah, by, so by ten foil monsters. Yeah. So to hear Lee like come up against the Daleks, and in a fairly in a fairly interesting way too. I think uh, I think Briggs writes the Daleks well. You know, as always, if, if anyone knows the Daleks well, it's Nick Whatever, Briggs. <laughs> he's always he always writes the Daleks really well. He does. He does. But I've also it, kind it, of it kind of does it kind of does that um that that sort of Daleks in Manhattan thing of having the Daleks working with a human character uh, behind yes. the scenes, but yes. it actually does it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually a really interesting way to utilize the Robomen. They're not just there because Nick Briggs wanted them there. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they are there just because Nick Briggs, Nick Briggs wanted them there, but he came up but with he a does, good reason. He, make, he, make, he, give, he actually makes the Robo Men a lot more tragic than than what they were in this in the in the show. I mean, I do still think they're quite striking in the original story. In, in but nonetheless, the, but nonetheless, they he's but nonetheless he focuses on the human aspect of them more. Yeah, yeah, and, and seeing how kind of messed up that is, especially you know with them as, as Dalek servants. Um, yeah. This was also apparently the first one that Tom Baker actually recorded. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I, I mean, I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense, but. Hmm. Okay, we'll bring. Okay, we'll bring you back, but you have to do this Dalek one out. Get this Dalek one out of the way first. Oh my, the Daleks! Okay, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was like part of the pitch. Like, okay, we get to do you get to do the Dalek story. Here we go. Let's, let's have fun with this, and, and you know, you also get to do the master. Um, I wonder if like if doing what the Dalek story was sort of like a a test run. I mean, not not that Tom Baker was never never not was ever not going to do it's this. Pro- it'd probably but... be the it'd probably be the safe thing to do when whenever they seem to want to do play a safe story, they often bring the Daleks back. Yeah, yeah, and. uh and Big Finish have, have always done quite uh, quite a good job of telling Dalek, telling standard Dalek stories, but like still making them fun and enjoyable to listen to. Like this is a very standard Dalek story, but like indeed. But so is you know technically t- <laughs> well to an extent Terra Firma is, but you know that that's a whole oh Terra Firma uh... is far from a standard Dalek story. <laughs> In concept, it's a standard Dalek story, but then that happens. Yeah, then all that crazy shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, anything else to add on Energy of the Daleks? Um, it does kind of echo Power of the Daleks a little bit. Does it? Am I, yeah. am I, not, am I not remembering something? Well, this is the whole theme of taking energy to take over. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Um, and the final, the final bit, this is just a nitpick, it wasn't bad, but the final, the final bit in... May have unintentionally evoked. Oh no! It's the Doctor Scarpa Scarpa from Jubilee. But it was, uh. it was more. It was more like. It was more like. No, no! The Doctor has defeated us. But it was. It, I mean, it was. It's not bad. It was just a little. Just something I picked up on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, ratings out of ten for Energy of the Daleks. Zach. I'll give this one. I'll be generous. I'll give this one a seven. Okay, uh, Jacob. I usually give this one about a six. It's it's fun. It's not great, but it's you know not bad by any means. 
I agree with that. Although why this, although why this was the although why this was the first 4DA to receive the vinyl treatment, I do not know. All of the 4DA decisions for for vinyl releases have been really fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just because they, they, they also they want stuff that's recognizable. The wave of destruction. How is that recognizable? <laughs> that that oh, Zygon yeah, makes absolutely no sense. That Zygon one they did. Yeah, I mean Zygon Hunt makes sense. Yeah. Um ah, fucking Zygon Hunt. <laughs> um <laughs> Alright. Let us move on to the first of this two-part finale, Trail of the White Worm by Ellen Barnes. I'm going to kick this off because I fucking adore this story so much. Um, God, I love this one. Um, and it really shows, you know, how great the 48s can be when split into multiple parts. You, you, you really feel like you have room to breathe and to flesh out your story. And this yeah, one is... I was, is, I was, pic- I was this, this set, the setting of this, I was, I was picturing something like that. Something, something a bit like the Graham Williams, Williams era, aesthetics wise. But then it got pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, well, it's it's also doing the hint of thing of taking from classic literature. Um, this time, even in echoing the title and and the plot of Bram Stoker's Lair of the White Worm, which deals with the same subject matter. Hmm. Um. With with the whole um. Uh, giant white worm uh, myth of, of wherever this takes place, because that's somewhere that. And it was also it also had and on the note of on, on note of getting on the note of getting big big more big old big actors to match Tom Baker. We have Michael Cochrane in this. Yes, yes, Michael Cochrane, and, and, he's, yeah. who's, and he's basically playing Mr. Morris from Friday Night Dinner. He's he's oh. absolutely insane, and I love him for. I don't it. Lo- that's ex- exactly even down, and I and I mean it when I say Mr. Morris because he even starts going on about punk rockers and. <laughs> um, the story the story also of course brings back the absolute god that is Jeffrey Beavers, who oh, I yes. just adore. Oh, yes, so great in this, and they actually fill in the gaps. They they ex- they some they explain in the line why he why this why Crispy Master looks less decrepit and. In keep of track and then then deadly assassin it was the uh, events partially restored him the event the eye of harmony and deadly assassin partially restored him which yeah. is just nice it's nice to have confirmation that they're the same incarnation because there yeah. have been people who try to argue that they're separate yeah, yeah. people yeah. i i've even yeah i see a lot of people claiming that the master regenerate at the end of death uh, at the end of deadly assassin into jeffrey beavers and yeah well, no. Yeah, no. Peter Pratt is just the jeffrey beavers master that's just yeah. just a lot more decrepit yeah yeah, yeah. But but then that's the idea, you know. The Peter Pratt master is just he and Jeffrey his, Beavers. His his face is completely hidden; it's indistinguishable. As a as opposed to the real behind the scenes reason was the mask was just didn't was just destroyed, and Jeffrey Beavers did not want to wear ping pong ball eyes. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of I, I kind of like the ping pong ball eyes. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um... Can we just also talk about how insane some of the character names in this are like? Colonel Spindleton, Demesne. <laughs> Simpleton, it's Spindleton. I know what I said. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, interesting point to bring up. I also wanted to bring up, since we were talking about the master there, uh, his rapport with Leela, which begins here. And God, I just, lo- I love the, I love the journey that those two characters are going to go on together in the forty days, and that this, this sets and up. It, and it sets up the, the eventual devastating story in Ga- in Gadafrey Time War. With Derek, I, I've, with I've Derek not, Jacobi Master. Ooh, I've not listened to that I, I know I, precisely I've, what I've you're talking about, Zach, and yes, it does. I, I just finished listening to all of the main Gallifrey series, so I'm moving on to Time War then in uh, next month. Well, you'll know if you've heard the if you if you've heard the war if you've heard the War Master, it's that same kind it's that same kind of devastation with him. I've heard the first War Master said. And, um, well, then then that's all we really need to hear because this takes place within that. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because it's it's the. The summons at the end of Beneath the Viscoid, right? Yeah, yeah, because he gets called to frame. Anyway, moving on. Um, but yeah, I just love the Master's rapport with Leela. Um, I think they're so much fun to listen to together. Um, the Master is almost is fascinated by Leela, I think, and that that makes her an interesting target for him. Uh, as, a, as opposed to the other companions beforehand, he had been encou- encountering he he meets someone more well savage. 
Yeah, yeah, and and someone, and also the master has never encountered a companion of the doctors that's been easy to take over with with his mind control. You know, I mean, there was Joe and Tara, the Autons, but she grew immune to it. You know, and and Joe knew the master by the end, but Leela is is so easily susceptible to to the master's powers, and uh, and I like that a lot. Uh, also, of course, Tom Baker and, uh, and Jeffrey Beavers are fantastic together. Uh, which more more specifically in the Osiden adventure. That first, that we re- reuniting from Keeper of Charkin. Yes, and they are lovely together. I this is the first, and I think this is the first their first story properly where they've actually got to play the, the Doctor and the Master properly together because in Keeper of Charkin he was he was mostly the Melka during that story. Yeah, yeah, but I do love that that scene in Part Four of Keeper of Charkin. Yes, that was that that's still a good scene. Yeah, and I just yeah. I, I just love Keeper of Charkin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I also argue that I think this is Alan Barnes getting political with with Spindleton as a character because he's he's um it, if I'm going to be honest, trail, trail and a side adventure bleed into each other so perfectly that they're clearly meant to be it's clearly meant to be a four part story without different titles. Oh, it is. And that's yeah. a th- that's a th- and that's a theme through all the four DAs. They do a lot of that. Um, yeah. but like, yeah, just. Spindleton's sort of like th- just that character who who wants this glorious past that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Back in and my kind of day, just... all these punk rockers. <laughs> I never picked up on that the first time I listened to it. Well, I listened like, listen to it this where time. He rants about like he wants no free lunch in school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we also and we also saw the effect. Well, well, of course, we saw the opposition to that with the, with the supporting characters, the punk rock girl and her friends. Mm. Oh yeah, and then um, uh, no, but what I think, um, and I think that this as this this four parter just perfectly does encapsulate that mission statement of doing Saturday night tea time in 1977 all over again. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really for me at least uh, the first 48 that truly captures what the fourth Doctor era felt like while still pushing it forward in its big finished way, um, and I, I just fall in love with it. Um, but I guess. That kind of felt a bit like the and it did atmosphere atmosphere wise it felt a bit like it felt like a, a combination of some traditional Hinchcliffe stuff with a bit with a little bit of horror of horror of Fang Rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of capture both both eras at the same time for me at least. I think you capture with a more gothic and and militaristic nature of it. Uh, you capture the Phil, the Philip Hinchcliffe era. I, I not militaristic I should say, but like but with the military characters you capture. Yeah. and then with the uh, sort of crazy spacey Osiden stuff that you get into at the second half of this, you feel uh, the Graham Williams era in that. So I feel I feel I feel both eras in it, and for, in the, for that reason, it's it's kind of a perfect uh, story yeah. for the forty days. But I guess we're, t- we're although I think although an aside event aside adventure gets a little bit complicated. I kind of lost myself halfway through aside adventure. Well, I guess let's move on to that. But first, yeah. let's give our ratings out of 10 for Trail of the White Worm. I'm going to say a very confident 9 out of 10. I adore this story. Jacob? <clears throat> uh, you know, I think I'd have to actually agree with that. Okay. And Zach? Yeah, um, yeah actually, I, I do. Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> this is actually the... This actually is the... Before, before we move on, this this was actually the first 4DA I listened to. I would, went... This is the first one I went... This is the first one I went to because I had the because I had the master in it. Mm, yeah, that's fair. All right, so let us move on to the Osiden Adventure once again by Alan Barnes. Uh, I really like this one still. I uh, I don't I don't even think it falls that much for it doesn't even fall at all. I think it's on the same Not level really. for me at least. Uh, yeah, it kind of worm. it falls. Yeah, I mean it's just it kind of lost me a bit with the with all the Android stuff, but it but it but I still but it's still pretty enjoyable and. Well, you could you could say that Trail of the White Worm was more hit, was more Philip Hinchcliffe than this was more Graham Williams, as you can tell from the very as you could tell from the very start of it. The very the very the very start becomes a lot more comedic. Yeah, yeah, um, and the story and, and this this half of the story it, as a whole is just more comedic in general. Um, but also, well, I want to mention that using the crawls in such a comedic way works because it, it helps the story immensely. Because well, let's the crawls be honest, are fucking stupid. Yeah, the crawls aren't. <laughs> They are a great alien. And for that um, reason, Dan Starkey is the perfect choice to play the crawl leader. I love that. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Doesn't uh, he play all of them? Does he? I'm assuming he does. Oh, no. I mean, John, John Banks plays the other one. 
He, oh. they, they look like pigs, Doctor. Yes, they do, Leela. <laughs> um, Michael Cochrane still is great in this, but a thing that I love about this is the continuation of the Master's story in this and involving him in the android plotline. I adore that scene where the Doctor basically convinces the Master he's an android. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, I, that is just perfect. It's, per- it's, it's I am great the Master, comedy. and you will obey me. If you weren't, if last, if you weren't an android, that would have worked. Oh no! What have you done to me, Doctor? <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my god! Um, but then, of course, you know the Master can still feel, you know, their mental connect. Is it connection energy? I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to make that it sound without. Like, it seems like it's always, it seem, and it seems like the Master's trying to play off himself, play off this whole, play off the Android Master and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really fun stuff there, but also I think Leela with the crawls is fun too. Uh, th- that's a fun character interaction. Well, yeah, and I think well, I think part of it works is that like the master is also just playing it as completely confused when it comes to the crawls because he realizes they're a completely stupid race. Like, yeah, yeah. So like, how the hell do they have this advanced android technology? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that works so effectively and like and they use it for really stupid reasons <laughs> look at the android invasion you know <laughs> they're, they're, they're not a proper threat and and the script knows that and it uses it to its advantage there's um, another you could say this you could say this story you could say this story in a way from the from the master's perspective was was foreshadowing well all the anthony Ainley, anthony Ainley disguises because with 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 master with robot master with robot master unmasking and you think oh no he's had he was in disguise all along yeah yeah um i love that and oddly enough like back back to the crawls for a second there i really like this story more than the android invasion um which is weird to say it like from a big finish sequel story like very rarely do i like the, the big finish sequel story more than the original let alone it being in the 40As and still being really strong um it's an, it's a fun ride and also you know of course for me at least throwing the master in there is always a is always a plus jerry beavers can turn any script into gold in my opinion um indeed yeah. every everything he every story he's been in even if it's not amazing he's he just he just melts the entire story oh he absolutely he he brings the energy of the story together in a way that no other actor could. I, th- I think he's phenomenal. I adore listening to him. Every he's, a cl- he's a he's a classical actor, and it really shows. Yeah, yeah. Which is why yeah. I want which is why I want Ian McDermott to do a big finish one day with him. Oh yes, especially with that with that Shakespearean training. Oh man, love it. Both uh, of them are Shakespearean, and that's why I'd love them to play to play off oh, each other. Yeah. Actually, did anyone listen to that new audiobook that? came out with Jeffrey Beavers that he wrote? No, oh, no, I haven't. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen it, but I haven't got it yet. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I although, but I've, oh. although the big, although, what was it? The big finished drama showcase that he did about the, about the science project cre- creation of the world. That one is really good. Cool. Because cool. I really liked uh, I Am The Master last year. That was great. Yeah, I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, back on this. Uh, what else now? Uh, oh, there's also that really nice send up of like, the whole season 13 thing of unit always like the brigadier always being off in geneva and yeah yeah <laughs> and just and just unit's presence it's always kind of there whenever you need it and it treats it as a very casual oh, thing in the doctor universe i just remembered something this going back on trail of the white worm for a bit We'll we'll come back. Um, there was a line there was a line spoken in Trail of the, on Trail of the White Worm where they talk about Jimmy Savile in a positive way. Oh really? Yeah, they do. One of the one of the they said, "Oh yeah, well Jimmy Savile says so." And a few months after this story came out, that's when all the that's when all the obscene shit was. Revealed. Oh jeez, fuck. A few months. Yeah, after, I was gonna say, wasn't the, yeah, because because yeah. like wasn't that in 2012? I was like, no, this it was it, time, literally but... this. This was a, this wasn't this story came out in 2012, and the, and all the Jimmy Savile sh- and all the re- revelations about Jimmy Savile came out a few months afterwards. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah. So up. Uh, so a few months Ouch. after a few oh, months after this a few months after the story comes out, we find out we everyone. It's all out in the open how much of an obscene human being Jimmy Savile was. Anyway, back to a side adventure. Did Vic finish like say anything about it? No, I don't think so because I, oh. I actually only, I actually only noticed it this time. Wow, 
That wow! Oh my god! All right, sorry about that. Wow. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else to add on the Osiden adventure? I mean, if they could. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna end this series off with a bang, I think this is the way to do it. Even if, oh even yeah, if, even if, even if I did get a little lost halfway through it, it, I still think this was a good way to end it off. Oh yeah, I think I think this and Trail of the White Worm as an ending is kind of perfect. Um, like. It, it, it's it's a real sign of the potential of where the 40As can go as as a series, and what you can really do as long as you have the time to tell your story. Um, later, the, and, late, and later, as we as we as we see, they get properly ambitious soon. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. Before we get into that, actually, um, ratings out of ten for the assigned adventure, Zach. Um, just because it lost me halfway through, I'm going to give it about a seven. But I'd overall, it's still enjoyable. Okay, Jacob. I'd probably give it a 9 out of 10, because again, this really is just the second half of Trail of the White Worm, and it keeps it up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I'd give it a 9. Um, I think Series 1 of the 40s as a whole is a very mixed bag. I think... <sighs> generally, yeah. I think they were playing it sa- generally, I think they were playing it safe, just so... Ju- just, yeah. Ju- just to lull people back in. But it is a shame, because there's not much to talk about. I mean, this is a really short episode of the Celestial Podcast, because we just ran out of things when to did, talk um, about with the previous story. When did the 40, when did the 40A lost, when the Fourth Doctor Lost Stories come out? The, I mean, Foe from the Future, Valley of Death, when did that come out? Uh, I want to say 2013 or 2014. Well, either, no, well, I, no, they well, were, well, thank, I think it was well, also I mean, 2012. I think it was just later in the year. Yeah, well, I think, the, and I think the quality of that just superseded this that entire this entire series. Because I actually haven't heard those. I haven't heard like Philip Hitchcock presents or the Lost Stories. They're very good. They're very good. You really I, haven't, I, mean, I mean, I haven't heard the I haven't I haven't heard the other Philip Hinchcliffe presents, but the first one I've heard is really good. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it, it's it's clearly that it's clear that like the um, the uh, what, how how do I say this. Uh, the stuff with when you give give more time, you automatically get a better story for the fourth doctor stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh... almost yeah, no, because um, because uh, uh, the fourth doctor lost story set like debuted. Um, I think it, it, it debuted in. It, it says according to Hardest Wiki. It debuted in January 2012. Oh, so. really? oh okay. Hmm. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. But I think the 40 is like, they. it's a very good range for learning from your mistakes, you know, learning where to go from, like, what people enjoy and what they didn't enjoy from the previous series. But it's a very slow fix. Like, series two is only, like, marginally better than series yeah. one. Like, it, it doesn't, a, like, it does series, a second, it does a second. Series two really was just. Series two is really just capturing the other other nostalgic part of the fourth Doctor era, i.e., the Romana era. Like series two, like the only things it fixed, like if it, it did a second four parter, um, and it increased the length by one story, but that's kind of the wrong direction because when people say they want more time, they don't mean more stories; it's more time to tell the story. And we got to, and we got to have more, and we got to have more Mary Tam Romana, which was which was nice. Oh yeah, uh, before yeah. she yeah. before, she, before she sadly passed away. And I will say that the overall quality of series two is just better than series one. Oh yeah, and and, and series three is even better. It it does an overall character arc. It, you know, it, it's, Once we, it starts the more, in one uh, position, these are another, and it does an extra story. And the more Leela stuff, and especially especially when she meets the master again later on, that's it gets it gets even better. Yeah, and I just and I just love Leela and the master's character arc. Um, Actually, anyway. no. I just I just looked it up on the Big Finish website. So yeah, the Fourth Doctor Lost Stories was the first thing released for the Fourth Doctor. Oh, in October 2011. Ah, so okay. well, I suppose that's I suppose that's still a good way to to bring them in with with a proper with a really with a really really good story. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, it's also taking full advantage of Tom's abilities because in addition to or like just having Tom Baker because. In addition to telling your original stories with the 40As, you have scripts that are already done and perfectly capture yeah, that era. So, there, and there there were lots of stories in them the, in the early Big Finish stuff that was going to be written for Tom Baker originally. Mm. I think um, the One Doctor was originally written for the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, but oh, I could see that working perfectly. Tom, I could definitely see that, especially with the fact that Banto Zane's companion was called Sally Ann. And, mm-hmm. 
All right, so um, let's do our rankings of this uh, of series one, going from worst to best. I'm gonna say Destination Nerver at the bottom, Renaissance Man. I may get killed for this next one. Wrath of the Iceni, Energy of the Daleks, Trail of the White Worm, and Assign Adventure right at the top. All right. Worst, Destination Nerva. Then, I'm sorry, Energy of the Daleks. Hmm. Okay. Then the, then the Renaissance Man. Then, Wrath of the Iceni, Osiride Adventure, Trade of the White Worm. All right. And Jacob? Uh, mine's exactly the same as Zach's. Um, oh, uh, damn. I feel so alone in my love of Energy of the Daleks. <laughs> Des- well, here's the thing. Energy of the Daleks isn't bad. The only bad story in the... The only actually bad story in the season is... Destination Nerva. Destination Nerva. Yeah. And Energy, Energy, Dark, of- it, Energy of the Daleks is still entertaining. It's just... And then Energy of the Daleks. And then Renaissance Man, which I only put above Energy because Renaissance Man plays with some, I think, more interesting ideas and is a little more cohesive overall. Um, and then, and then the last three: Wrath of the Ice and then Trail of the White Worm, and the Side Adventure, right at the top. Because oh, okay, so so yours yours is slightly different from Zach's then. Yeah, because um, like I, I hmm. in my but, mind, I can't separate but, Trail and a Side Adventure. It's, yeah, I I can't separate them. But, but if I had to choose a half that was better than the other, I'd say it's a Side Adventure because it has so many things that I just think are so much fun to listen to. Um, I, I, see I just about. I like and I like the trail of the white worm section a bit more. I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but somehow, but that one I feel. I mean, I mean, it's more simplistic. Was... It's it, it's it's less overblown, but I think the overblown over outside an adventure kind of is is deserved. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah I guess so. I see what you mean. Yeah. All right, so I guess let's wrap this thing up. Uh, let's uh, bring in anything to plug. Uh, Zach, you don't have anything to plug, do you? No, not at the moment. I've been too busy. Fair enough. Jacob? Um, my marathon's continuing. I'm finishing up season 19 and moving into the audios in between, aka the really long five and missa stuff. Uh, and um, obviously, up in February, we have the uh, start of the Cat's Cradle arc. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, novel, ad- yeah, that brings us into novel adaptations. Um, uh, we're having a trailer out for Times Crucible in January, and Times Crucible does its four-part weekly release in February. I forget the exact date. Um, I'm sure I'll announce that in the next Celestial podcast. I'm pretty um, sure we were doing all all four, uh, like, yeah, we were doing like all yeah, four. yeah. I know we're doing all four like within the month, but I can't remember the exact date that it starts. So then we'll um, either be the first or the eighth. Yeah, one of the two. Because I can't remember if I have the behind-the-scenes video releasing still in February or in March. I can't remember. Shit. <laughs> um, but speaking of March, we also have uh, the Scales of Injustice casting call. Uh, I think at some point in January or February, we're going to announce the Witchmark cast. So that'll be really fun. We uh, we, we kind of put that one together behind the scenes. And um, that'll be really fun to release. And like I said, we're casting Scales in March. It's going to be a gigantic story. That's why we're casting it so early. It's not going to be releasing until November. That just shows you how big of a story it is and, and you know how much advance we need to put this cast together and it is scary insane um but it's gonna be so much fun and uh as far as channel stuff for next year uh celestial podcast uh you can probably guess the pattern at this point you know what tv series ones are going to come out um big finish a uh, big finish wise we are going to be upping the amount of main ranges we cover per uh per episode it's going to be going to go up to eight main ranges per episode uh, per main range episode so that'll be really fun to do. And as far as other big finish stuff, we're covering um, the early adventures, series one and two, and War Doctor series one and two. And then in VNAs, I think we're covering up to, if I'm not mistaken, Shadow Mind by the end of the year. I think I so. can't remember. I want to say Shadow Mind. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that's what the Celestial Podcast is looking like for next year. I will be doing a full update video at the end of the year. Um, that'll come out on the 31st. And uh, we're all cover everything happening next year, uh, so I won't delve too much into that right now. Um, be on the lookout for that update video because, yeah, I have a lot of fun things planned for next year. Um, yeah, yeah, be on the lookout for that, and we're not going to let Kappa stop us, hopefully. <laughs> uh, all right, so I want to thank you both for coming on to this uh, episode of the Celestial Podcast, uh, ending out the year. 
Um, and by the time I'm recording this, we're gonna I'm gonna be releasing this later today, so that'll be fun because <laughs> I have so many videos to catch up on before the end of the year, of which there are only five days left. Release. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Celestial Podcast, and I will see you all next time. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.